Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I'm glad that Leader McConnell can muster an admonishment. He must be feeling better. But when it comes to a clean CR, if House moderates want to join with Democrats to advance every feature of the Biden government, thinking that that's going to be good for them politically, they will be signing their own political death warrant and handing it to their executioner. Because it won't be conservatives going after those moderates in the the next elections. It'll be the very Democrats that they're in coalition with. Well, that's a statement. I mean, Matt Gates is take, taking it all to the streets. This is street fight time. I mean, you have Byron Donalds, congressman from Florida, hitting at him because Donalds wants the continuing resolution and thinks that people like Matt Gates opposed to the resolution are being foolhardy. I would challenge my colleague from Florida to create a coalition that tries to actually get a victory for the American people. If he wants to have a personal thing with me going back and forth, he's entitled to. But I don't care about that foolishness. I want to win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is winning, staying open, spending more, is that really winning, Congressman? Let, let me assure you, I have no personal issue with Byron Donalds. I did oppose the continuing resolution because I would oppose any continuing resolution. I would oppose the greatest continuing resolution ever drafted if you have to cast one vote up or down on funding all of these disparate agencies of government, from the Department of Education to the Department of Labor to our troops and our veterans. So this isn't personal, but we have to now – Realize that Kevin McCarthy has put us behind the eight ball. We have had control of the House of Representatives for eight months, and we did not stay on schedule moving spending bills to advance our priorities and constrain the out-of-control actions of this Biden regime. And because we haven't done that, because we failed, now everyone's back's against the wall. So the, the way out of that is not to revert to the old corrupt muscle memory of Washington, D.C. with continuing resolutions. The way forward is to have single subject spending bills and we should start tonight we should cancel every weekend we should work 12 hour days if necessary and then we have to deal with the leaders who put us in this bad spot in the first he makes sense donald's makes sense as well it's really a question of how you want to get the thing done but we should start with a baseline if government shuts down government shuts down it's their fault And yes, Democrats, that means you too. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on, everybody? 833-GOT-TONY-833-468-8669. Maybe I said that wrong. It's our fault. We keep voting for clowns. keep doing the same thing. The part that Matt Gates is correct about is this idea of backs against the wall. It's this idea of we knew what was happening. We knew what was going on. We knew what needed to get done. Why didn't we do it? Victoria Sparts represents the 5th District of Indiana. She's my member of Congress. And she was on NBC, and she's making the point. Uh, The date on the calendar didn't move. You got to have these 12 appropriations bills passed. Otherwise, we have a 1% reduction in spending. That was the deal that Speaker McCarthy made with President Biden when they decided that the debt limit wouldn't have a number to it. Now these things aren't being met. 
now that there there has to be a deal made in order to fund the government, but that deal isn't forthcoming. Why weren't these things done six months ago, five months ago, four months ago, three months ago? That's what Matt Gates is saying. This is certainly what Victoria Sparts is saying. Sometimes a little hard to understand when she's doing an interview with the accent. She's there in the halls of Congress, people walking all around her. But I think you can get to it. I think you can understand what it is that she's going for here. We got into these issues. We have a serious fiscal catastrophe looming. We didn't get here overnight. We will not get out of here overnight. But if we abandon our duties Congress and not doing our job and doing politics, and we will never get out until it's going to hurt the American people significantly. Isn't, isn't, so shutting, isn't shutting down the government the peak of abandoning that job? Listen, but the challenge is we should have not been in a position now where we couldn't even pass a appropriations bills out of the committee. We're increasing the amount of unauthorized spending. We knew, like, September 30th didn't change on the calendar. We knew about it. I talked to him about this issue starting last November. We had this discussion. I said, we need to have a plan. We need to have to deal with that ceiling increase. We need to have a plan that is meaningful to move the needle. And he have, didn't want to deal with this issue. Now we get into a position like people try to do things under pressure. Well, that's not the way to govern it's not the way to govern under pressure she is correct about this i was at an event where she was speaking and she's like look congress is a blank show said it said it directly to like 600 people and you you agree september 30th didn't change on the calendar the system doesn't work the system of well, let's wait to the last minute and then see how we can pressure everybody into getting these things done. Doesn't work. Doesn't provide any value. Is dangerous. It's just flat out dangerous. Our job is not to say, well, we got to do something, otherwise, government shutdown. As far as I'm concerned, yes, there are always some people who will be affected by a government shutdown. There are always some level of check that doesn't make its way to somebody. I agree. Well, I would first argue whether or not those checks should be going out anyway, but some people could say, hey, it's for veterans this or that, things that I might very well agree with. But it's not a reason to create bad deals. If I have taught my own children anything, anything, it's that the only thing worse than no deal is a bad deal. As a guy who built my own brand and built this business, I have had moments of not having a deal. I have had moments where it drove me crazy not to have a deal. But I didn't have a deal because I saw what was being presented and I said, that's a bad deal. I'm not in that. Because that's going to be even worse. Not having a deal is frustrating. Having a bad deal, it destroys the soul. And I wasn't going to be a part of that. Wasn't going to be around that. And And it takes strength. It takes an inner understanding of self to be able to say no. Sometimes it takes the world coming on your shoulders and saying, man, you have to do this. Maybe you don't have to do this. 
maybe you don't have to do this. Representative Nancy Mace saying the leadership of McCarthy is in question here. Are you happy with the job that Speaker McCarthy is doing? I would say I would put me in the the column of being very frustrated. I don't like feeling like I was misled or lied to on particular pieces of legislation. I've worked very hard to show a roadmap and a pathway for women, Mm -hmm. uh, for Republican women, how we can move forward and win suburban women over next year. I've worked on a number of pieces of legislation that has fallen on deaf ears, has been ignored, no matter the promises that I was made by the leadership. So put me in the very unhappy column today. Well, I don't know if it matters that she's in the very unhappy column, but it may very well be something that plays at home. This from Governor, former Ambassador Nikki Haley, presidential candidate. Who actually did something about Social Security was Ronald Reagan. I think I'm right on that one. Get ready for a new one. But it is the third rail. (laughs) It is the third rail of American politics. Look, and it's one that we have to be honest with. I mean, you look, we're now $33 trillion in debt. They're spending like drunken sailors, both Republicans and Democrats. We have to acknowledge some real truths if we're going to deal with the debt, if we're going to deal with spending. We've got a lot of lawyers out there. It's time for an accountant, and it's time for an accountant in the White House. Chaos in the House of Representatives. You can't cut spending. It's very difficult to cut spending, and it's absolute chaos there. Whose side are you on? Are you with the Freedom Caucus on this? It's not difficult to cut spending. You have to want to do it. Congress has been lazy for a long time. Biden has sent us down this socialism creep, but let's be clear. Our Republicans have done this to, to us, too. They need to get in a room. They need to figure it out. They need. I, as president, I will stop the spending. I will eliminate the earmarks. I'll stop the borrowing, and I'll veto any spending bill that doesn't take us back to pre-COVID levels. Congress needs to do their job. That whole idea of going back to the pre-COVID levels, well, it has to go even lower than that. But it's, with all due respect, a a bunch of pablum to say they need to get into a room and do their job. What do you want them to do? Leadership is not get in a room and do your job. Leadership is, this is what I need to get done. This is where we have to be. Now, how do I get you there? That's what that is. Get in a room and get it done. That's, that's just a talking point. But this has now become something that candidates are going to have to comment on. All dancing on Kevin McCarthy's head. I will not let anybody rewrite history about Kevin McCarthy. Impossible task, and he has done until now better than expected. It may be over. There seems to be a real, real disdain for McCarthy uh, by some. Maybe he brought it on himself. The idea that he's all about the bravado and all about seeking the power. Well, you've got the power now. I mean, you're Speaker of the House. President, Vice President, Speaker of the House. There you are. He already polled one vote because he knew it wasn't going to happen. He lost a procedural maneuver on another vote uh, regarding a defense authorization bill because you had five members of the Freedom Caucus who said, look, we told you we're not voting for this thing. Representative Rosendale out of Montana, Representative Bishop out of North Carolina, a couple others. I think Andy Biggs of Arizona was in there. We told you. But remember that a a government shutdown is not specifically 
a Republican problem. Chuck Schumer has already said that certain things are a non-starter in the Senate. Like, for example, a continuing resolution. Who's he to decide what is and isn't a non-starter? Democrats get to say, oh, we don't do that. And, and they're like, clear? They're clean from this? No, 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 no. Oh, hell no. No. They have got to deal with the consequences of their actions as well. And when you know how the Democrats are going to react, why not just go for it all? Why allow yourself to allow for certain spending to continue? Why go for a continuing resolution? Look, this is where we're at. We control the House. You figure it out. Have a nice day. Sorry, Democrats, you're not being reasonable. This is where it seems that people like Gates and people like Victoria Sparts are at. The Democrats are going to tell you anything you want is wrong. If you agreed with everything that the Democrats want, they would tell you, why didn't you give us even more? They would. You know it, I know it, we all know it. If you gave them everything, they would say, why didn't you give us more? Why weren't you nicer about it? My my advice is maybe this idea of saying, you know what, we're not doing any of it, have a nice day. This is it, take it or or, or leave it. The government will get shut down because you won't compromise. Bye. Bye. Maybe McCarthy isn't the guy. Maybe this is all going to change, or maybe magically a deal will will come at the last moment. I say sip on your bourbon and take your time. Because, you know, don't get yourself freaked out. And I'm not talking to them, I'm talking to you. Take some time to breathe. Get worked up by a possibility of a government shutdown? No chance! Get worked up by Democrats saying the Republicans are in disarray. The Republicans are having a real good conversation. An important one. An important conversation for America to watch about what is it that we want? What is it that we demand? What is it that we need? When will we be strong? When will the changes come? When will the spending cuts happen? When will we look at the rest of these progressives and say, we're not interested in what you have to say? Complain to someone else. Bitch to somebody else. We're out. This is the way it is now. We won, you lost, end of the ballgame. I don't even argue that Gates and Sparts are correct about everything. I argue that as a matter of tactic. While it's fine to have disagreement, and I don't mind any of this, What you really should be doing is putting it to the other side and saying, these are the changes that have to be made. We cannot go along with the spending anymore. That's it. If you had appropriations bills to pass, they should have been passed. You didn't do your job. You didn't do your job. But us worry about it? Get worked up about it? No. What we should do is vote for people who will do a better job. And some people are going to tell me, Tony, you can't vote. The fix is in. Stop it. Stop it. 
You want to tell people there's no chance to change anything. I've seen things actually change. But it's a fight. And America better say to itself, man, we've got work to do. Some of these people got to go. I'm Tony Katz. You're signing the Constitution. I'm going to sign it. It's our constitutional duty to do oversight. Now, in that video, that was your answer to a question to me two years ago. When I said how many agents or assets of the government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating in the crowd to go into the Capitol and how many went into the Capitol, can you answer that now? That is a conversation about January 5th and January 6th. Some reporting from Miranda Devine. I will get into that. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything I do at TonyKatz.com. I'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Biden and Netanyahu meeting for the first time since Netanyahu returned. Benjamin Netanyahu returned as a prime minister. And of course, uh, the press can't ask questions. Thanks, guys. Thanks, press. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, press. Thanks, guys. We're going to head out. Thanks, guys. Joe Biden is never so happy as when he gets to kick the press out of the room. He loves that power trip. As for meeting with Netanyahu, um, Biden is not a fan. Biden is not a fan, uh, saying that we're going to discuss some of the hard issues, upholding democratic values that lie at the heart of our partnership, including the checks and balances in our system and preserving the path to a negotiated two-state solution. I didn't know that that was uh, what we were doing. And ensuring that Iran never, ever acquires a nuclear weapon. As you, Joe Biden, just gave Iran $6 billion. Well, that's for humanitarian purposes. Well, they think it's humanitarian to wipe Israel off the map. So, your move, Joey. The the Iranian government said, well, we decide uh, as the government to the people of Iran what are the needs are and what is humanitarian. So, thank you very much. You didn't set any boundaries. And what was going to happen? You gave them the money. If they if if they don't do X, then what? Well, we gave them the money through this bank, through that bank, and then we'll hold on to the money. They lie. You know it. What are you doing? There is no negotiating with terrorists. There is no negotiating with the Ayatollah. And I'm assuming this is what Netanyahu is going to tell him. Nah, Biden's no fan. Yet was it the Obama administration? Was it the Biden administration that kind of played in in the election a little bit? Forget which one. I forget what someone's going to remind me. I forget which one right now. I would I would have loved to have been a fly on that wall. I would actually love to have been a fly on the wall after they were done when Netanyahu turned to his staff and said, "Americans elected that guy. He has no idea what's going on." which I'm assuming Netanyahu has long known after having dealt with uh, Biden more than once. The education hypocrites. I do hate the word hypocrite, but sometimes if the shoe fits, Corey DeAngelis, federationforchildren.org, the latest on the hypocrisy. That is up next. I'm Tony Katz.
I, I have to admit that I really have a strong opposition to the word hypocrite. I, I, I find that people use it as a catchphrase. They use it as a bit of sloganeering. They use it because they're lazy. When all oh, the hypocrites here and the hypocrites there, it's not a that, that, that's not a way you engage a conversation. But sometimes if the hypocrite fits, well, what else can you actually say? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And this is the conversation about education. When you talk education, you bring in Corey DeAngelis. There he is right there. Senior fellow, PhD, the American Federation for Children is where you find his work. And you have been front and center in the education conversation, the education debate. And the first person I ever saw engage the conversation that money should follow the student and not uh, the system. And of course, you have been in uh, constant fights with people like Randy Weingarten, uh, head of the American Federation of Teachers. Here is the latest tweet that she put out. Texas teacher fired for reading Diary of Anne Frank to the class. This speaks for itself, but that's not actually the whole story. The story is about those educators, Corey, who say that you shouldn't have a say in where your kids go to school, but yet they make different choices. This is your opinion piece over at Fox News about the head of the Chicago Teachers Union who chose for her own kid a private school, but says that if you choose a private school or a different school for your kid, you're a racist. Tell me, tell me that story. Yes, yeah, the Chicago Teachers Union boss, Stacey Davis-Gates, who just last year called private schools segregation academies and said school choice is the choice of racists. And then she turns around this year, pulls her kid out of a, the public school system, which is an absolute dumpster fire in Chicago. I believe only about five or six percent of black students are proficient in math in the Chicago public school system. And she's sending them to a private school that costs about half as much as what they spend in the government schools about $14,000, $15,000 per student for the tuition in the private school, whereas the government schools spend about $29,000, $30,000 per student per year. And just last year, the same hypocrite said that the reason that she can represent the teachers in the public school system as the CTU boss is that she uh, has legitimacy because she sends all of her kids to the public schools. Well, that didn't last long, did it? Just uh, this year, she sending him to a private school. And when she was confronted on CNN about it, her basic defense was, uh, well, he, my son plays soccer and racism this, racism that. It was that she was total deflection. And what if other kids want to play soccer? And uh, look, it's just, just never-ending hypocrisy because one, she's saying that she was legitimate last year because she had her kids in public. Well, that's not true anymore. She didn't actually believe that. And she also blamed her choice on supposed disinvestment in the public school system. Well, they spend twice as much per student in the government schools that she was sending her kid to as in the private school. So why can't other families have that choice? It's because salary depends on being a hypocrite. She must uh, keep the the status quo to to keep uh, her union in power. Now, now you brought up two things there that I think we should break down. First, Corey, is the idea of her job. In order to keep her job as the head of the teachers union, she has to say the only place you can send your kid is to a public school while she doesn't do it, regardless of whether we call her hypocrites or, or not. The people of Chicago obviously see this. How have they reacted to it? 
Yeah, there was actually members in the CTU private Facebook group uh, that was leaked. There was information leaked to me from uh, screenshots from this private group where members of the CTU were actually saying that, you know, this does smell kind of fishy. And look, we've called out public school officials and CPS and, and including the mayors for sending their kids to private school. Now we're turning around, sending our kids to private school as the head of the, the CTU. And I think another member also mentioned that you know, I think the big problem is not that she send her kids to private school, but then she turns around and fights against school choice for disadvantaged kids. And in fact, Illinois had a school choice program uh, for a few years now called the Illinois uh, Invest in Kids Act. It was a tax credit scholarship for poor kids to go to private school. And uh, the, the Democrats in the legislature, uh, under pressure from the Chicago Teachers Union that Stacey Davis Gates runs, uh, uh, killed the program, did nothing to save it uh, from sunsetting this year. So um, that's been some of the reception. And then also Stacy went on CNN. I guess she thought it was going to be, uh, you know, a soft landing. Maybe CNN was going to back her up while well, the hosts grilled her for eight and a half minutes. You got to give CNN credit every once in a while. They come to their senses and they hold the left's feet to the fire. And it was eight and a half minutes of un discomfort that was, very obvious in the eyes of Stacey Davis Gates, just fluttering from left to right. To where do I go? Basically showing the audience that she wanted to get up and run out of that interview as fast as she could. She couldn't do it, obviously, because that would be a even bigger uh, blunder for her. Talking to Corey DeAngelis, a senior fellow, American Federation for Children, Federation for Children. Uh, .org. The second part of this, was the numbers. And I think that, that in, even in your conversation, the other conversations, we're blowing by that way too quick. Go back. How much is a public education costing the taxpayers in Chicago? And how much is it costing at these private schools yeah. where the head of the teachers union sends her own child? Yep. It's at least $29,000 per student per year in the Chicago government schools comparatively, Stacey Davis Gates sends her kid now to a private school that has a tuition posted on their website of $14,750 per student per year. So that's about half of what they spend in the government-run schools, yet she's complaining that all the problems plaguing the government schools have had to do with money, and they just need more money. And this is evidence of them needing more than $29,000 per student. It's just total... It's it's total logical inconsistency. It says I want to get into that. I want to get into this inconsistency because it would seem to me that this is the argument that connects with everybody regardless. Right. Regardless of skin color, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of socioeconomic status. You mean you can do with 15,000 what these people can't do with twenty nine thousand. It immediately says, well, these people with my twenty nine thousand dollars are schmucks. I mean, they're just not capable people. How do you, whether it be at the Federation for Children.org and some of the organizations that you work, do you try and capitalize on that with members of the community? Yeah, we spread the facts and we also call out the logical inconsistencies of the other side. And it goes deeper than that, than just the numbers. It goes uh, with, with the left in general. They generally support uh, publicly funded programs or taxpayer funded programs that, go, that have funding going to people where they're able to choose the private provider that works best for them. Think about Pell Grants for higher education. The left loves those. And uh, with Pell Grants, the funding goes to a student and they can choose the public university that they want, but they can go to a private religious or non-religious university 
We do the same thing with Head Start, which the left supports as well, or other pre-K programs. Pre-K funding uh, is directed by the parent. They get to choose their private religious or non-religious pre-K provider. We have Medicaid vouchers. You can choose a private, even religious hospital. You can, we have Section 8 housing vouchers. The left loves those and on and on and on. The examples keep going. Food stamps. Food stamps are public dollars that can be used at private grocery stores chosen by the parent or the family. And only when it comes to K-12 do they freak out about it. Why? Because the Democratic Party is owned by the teachers unions. We mentioned Randy Weingarten earlier. Over 99.9% of her campaign contributions for the American Federation of Teachers went to Democrats in 2022. So the, the teachers union is basically an arm of the Democratic Party at this point. And the reason that they fight so hard against choice only when it comes to K-12 education is because of a difference in power dynamics. Choice is the norm for higher education, pre-K, and everything else, but choice threatens an entrenched special interest, the teachers' unions, only when it comes to K-12. So they fight as hard as possible against the status quo. And you have never-ending people in power, Joe Biden, Gavin Newsom, Nancy Pelosi, fighting against school choice, Roy Cooper, governor of North Carolina. He even declared a state of emergency over school choice because he was afraid it was going to pass. And, and that's still going to happen this year uh, through the budget. But just they have to be hypocrites because their power and their salary depends on it. And uh, it's just also another layer of logical inconsistency when they support funding people for everything else, but not K-12 education. You brought up Randy Weingarten, American Federation of Teachers, who certainly was working with our federal government regarding keeping schools closed. Uh, you see her in support of the United Auto Workers strike. She never met a union she didn't uh, love. Uh, she had put out this uh, tweet. Texas <clears throat> teacher fired for reading Diary of Anne Frank to class. This speaks for itself. Um, this is another one of those stories where the story is not the story. You did the digging and Randy Weingarten. I mean, I, I think I'm quoting you directly. You're calling her a liar yep. in, in, in total. She's a liar. She's a liar. She's a dishonest hack and she's a deceptive clown because this is an all time new low for Randy Weingarten posting this garbage because it wasn't the dire of Anne Frank that was banned in this Texas school. It wasn't a teacher getting fired for the basic version of the Diary of Anne Frank. This was a graphic sexualized novel of the Diary of Anne Frank. It's a, a sexual adaptation for an elementary school. So, and the, the teacher also started talking to the children about acts of molestation. This was inappropriate for fifth graders. I think it was a fifth grade class. And Randy Weingarten is, is currently, as we speak, getting ratioed into oblivion on Twitter, which is now called X, for this deception. I mean, she she could have said, well, there, the teacher got fired for this, uh, this sexualized depiction of the diary of Anne Frank, but it wasn't the actual diary of Anne Frank, uh, as most of us would know it. So she she says this trying to, to make it seem like Republicans are, are not wanting to talk about the Holocaust. And that's just absolutely ridiculous. That's not the truth of what, of what happened here. And you know what? This is um, going to add fuel to the fire, all of this clownish behavior by the teachers unions and Randy Weingarten in Texas in particular, where this story came from. Greg Abbott just yesterday called for a special session to pass school choice next month. And it's even bigger than that, because part of that story is that Greg Abbott also promised political consequences for fake Republicans in the Texas House if they don't pass their party platform issue of school choice, which was an emergency item this session 
which Greg Abbott has been pushing all across the state, at least a, a dozen cities now. He's gone and campaigned for school choice. Voters overwhelmingly elected him while he was pushing for school choice over that clown Beto O'Rourke, who is against school choice. And uh, it looks like it's going to happen. Greg Abbott yesterday pointed out that there's an easy way to get this done, and there's a hard way to get this done. The easy way is the the Senate, which they've already passed it easily, and they have for for a very long time. They've been on board with school choice, but then the House they can just they can pass their party platform, which 88 percent of Texas Republican primary voters supported on the ballot last year. Uh, this is overwhelmingly popular across party lines, but particularly with Republicans, especially at a time like now where you have indoctrination happening in schools as opposed to education, even in red states like Texas, even in places like Indiana uh, and elsewhere. And so he said that there's an easy way or there's a hard way to get it done, which is you lose your primary race for coming out against parental rights and education in 2023, which this is what happened in Iowa. I'm sure you remember this, Tony. The Governor Reynolds, a uh, huge education freedom fighter, tried to get it done, school choice done in 2022. It was a targeted bill. Maybe it was limited to a few thousand students, but it was still a good step in the right direction. The Senate passed it, no problem, just like what happened in Texas this year. But it moved over to the House where this, where it was in 60% GOP control in Iowa, and they could not get it done no matter how hard uh, Governor Reynolds was fighting for it. Well, what happened after that was she primaried a bunch of those fake Republicans in the Iowa House, and voters held them accountable for opposing their party platform of parental rights and education. And then yeah, it's passed universal school choice, the first state to do so this year in 2023. So they got an even better program after the primaries. It's that this is becoming a not so much a litmus test, but a a focus for uh, the the political right. And there are so many who are desperate to avoid the cultural issues, right? They, they don't, I don't want to play in the cultural issues. We've got real issues to handle. This is a real issue. Families being able to decide what's best for their kids is, is, is a real issue in, in 30 seconds or less. Uh, uh, Corey, Corey DeAngelis, um, uh, you, you find his work uh, everywhere. And of course you can find him over at the American Federation for children, Federation for children org. Um, you see this from Kim Reynolds, governor of Iowa. You see this from Greg Abbott, governor of Texas uh, in 30 seconds or less. Is this going to become a major party platform conversation when the Republicans meet in Milwaukee for the convention in 2024. Yeah, it absolutely is because there's been a surge in support among Republican primary voters, among voters in general. Real Clear Opinion Research polling found 71% of Americans in general support school choice, which was up about eight percentage points from April of 2020. Primary voters on the Republican side are overwhelmingly in favor, 88% support in Texas. That was up nine points since they last had it on the ballot in 2018, which was still high even back then in 2018. But it's a, it's a huge issue now. You look at the first Republican primary presidential debates. Uh, you had a bunch of them mentioning school choice. DeSantis, Vivek, Trump was all big on school choice when he was president as well, and he still is today. So there's there's huge support for it. Um, at every level. And I think Republican primary voters are figuring out the rhinos uh, who are currently sitting in office who who have voted consistently against school choice. They're actually, pa parents are paying attention now and they're basically a new special interest group. 
It's, which is amazing because they're the original, if you will, special interest group. Corey DeAngelis, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. You can find him on the Twitter X there at DeAngelis Corey and FederationForChildren.org. You can find his work. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Miranda Devine over at the New York Post was reporting about January 6th and those who were, well, what's the word? Paid by the FBI to be there? These human confidential sources? So many of them that the FBI lost count. They actually had to do an audit afterward to see how many paid informants were at the Capitol on January 6th. Now, I will tell you, I don't have a number yet. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. But exactly how many were there? Why were there so many paid informants at the Capitol on January 6th? And what was done to gin up the crowd to create the moment? Is it possible that you had so many paid informants that you created in and of itself the moment? I don't want to say that people aren't responsible for their actions. They are responsible for their actions. But should we note how much the government was involved in the possibility, the potential of those actions? If you're going to tell me that Trump is guilty of an insurrection because he incited X, Y, and Z, well, what about FBI folk? I need more information. Uh, The story is over there at the New York Post. You should check it out. I have faith in Miranda Devine. I I just want more info. I don't like what I'm hearing, though. That much is true. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.